0: you are listening to The Temple and the River by Sam Poe, part of our A City on a Hill series. For more audio content and resources, please visit newfrontierschurch.com. We, um, I've been on a series called A City on a Hill looking at various metaphors uh, that the Bible uses regarding the church, who we are as the church. And uh, we've heard about how we're God's household church is a family, a household. Uh, We heard about how the church is the bride of Christ. And uh, there's all these different metaphors in Scripture that uh, help us understand the church. And this morning, I'd like to talk about uh, an important metaphor of the church, and that is the church is the temple of God. And the picture that I want to draw from comes from the book of Ezekiel. Chapter 47, where we see the temple, a brand new temple that uh, Ezekiel saw in a vision, and uh, he has an a angel with him, the angel of the Lord with him, taking him on a tour through this new uh, temple that uh, he was actually at the very beginning of Ezekiel, he gets a tour through the old temple in Jerusalem and sees the abominations that are in it and he actually sees the glory of the Lord leave that temple. And then toward the end of of Ezekiel he gets another tour through a brand new temple where God's glory dwells, God's glory enters and dwells and great things happen including a river flowing out from that temple. So let's uh, before we read let's pray together. Thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you for your Holy Spirit here among us today. We've so sensed your presence as we've looked to you in worship and heard uh, prayers and exhortations and Scripture uh, concerning who you are, the great and mighty King, Lord, and uh, you're with us today. And I pray now as we look in your word that it would come alive to our hearts. I pray for your grace and anointing to speak those things you would have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to read from Ezekiel chapter 47 and uh, beginning at verse 1 down down to verse 12. Uh, So here Ezekiel is in in this uh, tour through the temple, and it says in verse 1, And he, being the uh, angel of the Lord, brought me back to the door of the temple, and behold... Water was issuing from below the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water was flowing down from below the south end of the threshold of the temple, south of the altar, and he brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around to the outside of the outer gate that faces toward the east, and behold, water was trickling out on the south side. Going on eastward with a measuring line in his hand, the man measured a 1,000 cubits, and then he led me through the water, and it was ankle deep. Again, he measured a 1,000 and led me through water, and it was knee deep. Again, he measured 1,000 and led me through the water, and it was waist deep. Again, he measured a 1,000, and it was a river I could not pass through, for the water had risen. It was deep enough to swim in, a river that could not be passed through. And he said to me, son of man, have you seen this? And then he led me back to the bank of the river. And as I went back, I saw on the bank of the river very many trees on one side and on the other. And he said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down to the Arabah and enters the sea that is the dead sea and then the water flows into the and when the water flows into the sea the water will become fresh and wherever the river goes every living creature that swarms will live and there will be very many fish for this water goes there and the water <coughs> that the waters of the sea may become fresh so everything will live where the river goes Fishermen will stand beside the sea from Injedi to Ineglium and will be a place for the spreading of nets. Its fish will be very of very many kinds, like the fish of the Great Sea, the Mediterranean Sea, that is. But its swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They are to be left for salt. Then on the banks... And on both sides of the river there will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither nor their fruit fail. But they will bear fruit, fresh fruit every month because the water for them flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. Amazing vision. Just to kind of give a background for uh, this message and why I'm so um, energized to want to share it today is it it goes back to um, last September when Marlene and I and there were others uh, as well at a a conference in St. Louis. And on the very first night that we got there, the beginning of the conference, I had a dream and uh, in this dream, I was there standing among uh, friends that we knew, uh, had gathered together, leaders, pastors, and so forth, and we were, we were busily talking to each other, just about anything and everything, just catching up, and it was, it was a joyful time. And then suddenly, out of the corner of my eye, I noticed one of my sons was there, and he would not have been in, in attendance at this conference, and I was surprised to see him. And it was as though he was sitting uh, on, the, on the, the side waiting to talk to me. And so I immediately uh, went over to him, and and I, uh, I gave him a hug, and I gave him my attention, asked him, uh, you know, how, what, what he, what, what, who, how is it was going, and to share with me what he had. And he began to to speak to me, and he began to kindly speak words that I felt were of a kind of a corrective nature, not a whole full-blown rebuke, but there was a corrective note in what he was telling me, and he began to speak to me of a friend of his, he began to speak to me about someone he knew who was very capable in his work, and he knew a lot of people, and he talked with people every single day. But none of these people that he talked to knew the Lord, and this friend didn't know the Lord either. And as he was speaking to me, somehow uh, the conversation that we were having privately and personally morphed, as can only happen in a dream, it morphed into a video Suddenly I realized this is a video for a larger audience. And the words that my son was speaking to me were tender and kind of broken. In other words, there was a measure of emotion in what he was saying. And he said, you know, you, you connect wonderfully with your church friends who know the Lord But what about all the people like my friend who never get to know anybody like you? And I felt a kind of conviction. I didn't feel that there was any rebuke whatsoever in that toward my connecting with my friends at the conference, but that there was a a corrective thing about what about carrying this same thing to people who don't know me yet? And I thought that was from the Lord. And then, interestingly, during that conference, and I won't go into a lot of detail here, but during that conference, I, I heard more than one message given that spoke about being intentional in reaching out in friendship to people not like us. Real challenges. And I, and I, I found them very impacting because of how the Lord set me up with this dream that I believe he gave. And, and, uh, and, and there were words about, you know, reaching out across borders and barriers, cultural, racial, uh, generational barriers, and sharing with all kinds of people just how good Jesus really is. Well, on that weekend, I heard a message by uh, my good friend David Devinish, and he preached from this passage of Scripture that we, we just read, from Ezekiel 47. And um, and what I'm going to share with you today is really inspired. I won't blame Dave for all of it, but I will say it, it was in, it's inspired by what he had to share there in St. Louis. Um, I don't think we have anything to share but what we've received from somebody, and so I kind of unapologetically do this, try to give credit generally where credit is due. And I feel it catches something of what the Lord wanted to tell me in that conference and what the Lord wanted to tell me through that dream. Now, Ezekiel is an interesting prophet in the Bible, and I can't tell you that Ezekiel, the book of Ezekiel, has always been my favorite book to read. I have to tell you this, as I've read through the Scripture repeatedly now over a period of uh, 40 years or so, uh, I have come to a greater appreciation and fondness for Ezekiel than I did when I first read, read it. And, uh, and so Ezekiel was the son of a priest in Jerusalem, no doubt, and in his childhood he likely grew up around the temple there in Jerusalem, the, the temple that Solomon built, and, 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 and was familiar with all of its architecture and the, the majesty of that building that stood there in Jerusalem. And as a young man, he would have been in training to, to take the, the distinguished work of being a priest in that temple on because he would have inherited that from his forefathers. He was part of that group that priest came from. And so Ezekiel's place in the culture that he lived in would have been, well, certainly honorable and highly regarded. And uh, and I'm sure that Ezekiel, as a young man, was looking forward to that day when he would be old enough to take his place in the temple as a priest serving there, which would have been at 30 years of age according to the Levitical law of the Old Testament. And uh, he would have been very familiar with that structure. And, of course, God used this picture of the temple or an ideal temple, a a glorious temple, to speak something important to Ezekiel and, I believe, to us as well. and, and And the temple that Ezekiel knew would have been known as the place where God dwells among his people. If you the temple is all about. In essence, it's the place where God dwells among his people in Old Testament times. And it takes on a whole new application and dimension as we come to the New Testament, which we'll speak about in a minute. But this vision, this desire that Ezekiel had and this calling he felt he had to be a, a priest in that temple because his father was a priest in that temple was not to be. It wasn't going to happen because tragedy struck. Calamity struck. And King Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, attacked the city of Jerusalem, conquered it. Ultimately, the Babylonian forces ransacked the temple, taking priceless treasures that had been in that temple for 300 years, vessels of of, of precious metal and so forth, hauled them up, put them in a wagon, hauled them off to Babylon, and the temple itself was completely destroyed. Now, along with that, Nebuchadnezzar and his uh, troops gathered up all the influential people around Jerusalem because they didn't want them around there making trouble, I'm sure, and, 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 and speaking out against uh, the, the new regime that now controlled the place. And they gathered up these leading young men like Ezekiel and rounded them up and took them off into exile into Babylon. So instead of entering into a life Ezekiel expected of being an honorable man, Following in the calling, he believed, that was upon his life as a priest in the temple at Jerusalem, he is now part of a very marginalized people in a pagan culture. And he finds himself on the outskirts of the city of Babylon, a long ways away from where he grew up. and he's living in a settlement that was for exiles and foreigners and refugees. It's owned by an irrigation canal outside the city. And uh, the exiles built little mud brick houses to live in, and there Ezekiel as a foreigner, an exile, a refugee, gets a new calling, called to be a prophet among an exiled people and among a pagan people. And the prophetic vision that uh, Ezekiel has here happened probably about 20 years, after 20 years of exile, and he sees this glorious new temple and he sees the glory of god filling it and he has an a, 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 and this amazing vision that he that he has being led by the angel of the lord has its ultimate fulfillment in christ and his church with all the detail of it and everything that must have spent, spoke very deeply to Ezekiel, and certainly probably spoke deeply to those exiles. Doesn't speak quite as deeply to me until I get the picture. That he's talking about a reality that's coming that'll only be fulfilled in Christ and his church and the members of his church, you and me, those of us who belong to Jesus. Uh, there's many passages I could read, but I want to read one from the New Testament that really helps us understand how this works. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, He says, As you come to Him, that is to Jesus, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house or temple to be a holy priesthood. To offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. In another place, in Ephesians chapter 2, Paul calls Jesus the cornerstone of that temple. And we're built in alignment with him. He's the foundation, he's the cornerstone, and we are built into this living temple. He is the living stone. He is alive, as we heard earlier in the meeting. He is alive forevermore. He's risen from the dead and he lives. He's a living stone, rejected by men. Many reject him, but in the sight of God, he's chosen and precious. You yourselves, your living stones, you're being built together, built up into this temple, this spiritual house. You're a holy priesthood. And it's all because of Jesus. It's all through Jesus. That's the ultimate fulfillment of Ezekiel's vision right there. We're not looking for a literal temple to be built, not in Jerusalem, not anywhere. We are looking to be part of a living temple on the earth in every nation and every city worldwide made up of people of every race, every tongue, every nationality, every people group. Now, with that in view now, let's take a moment to think about this particular aspect of this vision that that Ezekiel has in uh, chapter 47. So the angel there with him is guiding him on this tour And he's already been walking around the temple looking at the different aspects of it. And then the the, the angel takes him back to the door of the temple. That's the place where you you go right through into the holiest of holy, the holy place where God's presence dwelt among his people in those days. That's the picture. That's the metaphor that we have. And uh, he sees now something unusual. It's like the angel points it out to him. He sees something that was almost unnoticeable. Just a little trickle of water flowing out from the holiest of holy place in the middle of the temple. And... Then they make a, it's like the angel, is, I get the picture in my imagination that the angel has got Ezekiel by the hand and he's running him around. You know, come and see this. No, now come over here. I want you to see this. It's like he's excited. And he, he grabs, it's, it's as though he grabs Ezekiel by the hand and runs him out around the outside of the temple, out the outside of the gate, around to the eastern entrance to the temple court, the outer court. And he says, now do you see that? And Ezekiel looks and he sees again this same little trickle running out of the gate of the temple court and down the hill. And the angel was able to measure things. He had measuring tools. And he measures off a thousand cubits down eastward going out of the front door of the temple gate, about a third of a mile, about a third of a mile, measures it out. And Ezekiel's following along behind. And it's almost as though they're walking in this little stream, this little trickle. And by the way, the trickle, and I just did a little word study on it just to figure out what it means in the Hebrew mind. It meant just a little, like if you had a pitcher of water or a bottle of water and you poured some out, just a little stream coming out of a pitcher, that's a trickle. That's a trickle. Just a tiny little, smallest little stream and they begin to follow this tiny little stream out, and he goes out just a ways, a third of a mile or so, and suddenly he's splashing around in water up to his ankles. Whoa! Where'd that come from? We're out in the middle of the desert out here. And then the angel makes another measurement, 1,000 cubits, about a third of a mile or so, out further. And now he's in water up to his knees. Well, this is miraculous, folks. This can't happen normally. There's no tributaries coming in. It's just a little trickle that now is bigger. First ankles, now it's up to his knees. And then the angel doesn't waste any time. He he grabs his measuring uh, line and measures out another third of a mile. And it's waist deep. Now it's getting serious. We're up to our waist in water out here. And then one more measurement, a third of a mile, and it's a huge river. Ezekiel is swimming. And there's no way to cross this river other than maybe swim across it. So wide, he says, nobody can cross this. Now, do you get the uh, clear picture that this imagery has a message in it? And it's, it's, it's kind of fantastic, and it can't really happen literally in this world, but it happens in this vision. And, and, and the angel stops and looks. I just, you know, again, he stops and he looks Ezekiel straight in the face. And he says, Ezekiel, do you see this? Yeah. It's amazing. There's a message here, Ezekiel. Pay attention now. And they get out of the river and they get up on the banks of the river Okay, let's stop and think about what just happened in the, in the vision. A trickle flowing out of the temple got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger the further it got from the temple. We sometimes think of it the other way around. We get in among each other and, and we, we really, you know, whoa! And it's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful what's happened here this morning. But compared to what God wants to do when we leave those doors, it's a trickle. Get it? There's a message here. Don't miss, Ezekiel, the message. The further away this trickle goes, the bigger it gets. And then the angel leads Ezekiel over to the riverbank. And to Ezekiel's surprise now in the vision, what was desert? That's that piece of real estate going east. Out from where the temple was is a wasteland. It's a desert. And it drops down fast into where the Dead Sea is at. But now... What's happened? Ezekiel looks around and everywhere that river has been flowing, there's trees everywhere. It's like a garden. There's life everywhere. There's trees that are growing and they're green and they never fade. They never go brown. They never get to where they're, you know, like in the winter. It's like they're always producing, every single month they're producing all kinds of fruit. Why? Because the river's there. And the leaves on those trees can bring healing to your body. Wow. Or healing to nations or healing to people groups. Wow! Everywhere the river went, there was teeming life, swarms of fish, creatures everywhere, life everywhere, stuff happening everywhere. And amazingly, as now they look out eastward further in this vision, way out there, a long ways, That river kept flowing, kept getting bigger, finally reached the Dead Sea. The reason why they call it the Dead Sea, (laughs) right? Dead. (laughs) No life in there. But the Dead Sea, when the river got to it, became a living sea, a living sea. Every kind of fish you can possibly imagine were there in great abundance. Fishermen were everywhere. How am I doing, Alex? Am I doing okay? He's my fishing buddy. There's fishermen everywhere down here at the Dead Sea, but it's now a living sea. And all along the bank for miles and miles, apparently, there are fishermen out there. Catching fish because of the abundance of fish to be caught. I get the feeling God really likes fishermen. He picked some, Jesus picked some to be his disciples, and here again now you've got fishermen everywhere. Oh, he said we're going to be fishermen, right? I'll make you fishermen of people. And then maybe, you know, Ezekiel is seeing this incredible vision, and there's one little, one little niggling thing about it. This is my kind of biblically informed imagination working. (laughs) He says, you know, uh, boy, this is incredible. It's incredible, but (coughs) that's all fresh water down there in the Dead Sea, which is now the living sea. We used to get all our salt out of there. What are we going to do for salt? And the angel says, oh, we got that covered. All the marshes, all the backwaters are full of salt. The one wonderful, redeeming heart of that Dead Sea is still there. Everything redeemable gets redeemed through the flow of God's great salvation in history. Everything in the new heaven and new earth in this world that is redeemable will be there in that new heaven and new earth. And the angel says, there's salt still there, plenty of it, plenty of salt in the marshy places. Go to the marshy places, you'll find plenty of salt. I want to read one more passage of scripture to bring this message in for a landing. Jesus, one day at the temple in Jerusalem, on a particular day, a special day, it was a feast day among the Israelites in John chapter 7, a familiar passage to us, but it has to do with this story that we're telling. From Ezekiel. This, I guess I'll just read it and then we'll think about it for a moment. On the last day of the feast, that is the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believe in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus had not yet been glorified. On that final ending of the Feast of Tabernacles, which was a celebration of of God among the Israelites, they they celebrated the, uh, the... the, the, the water that came out of the rock as they were going through the wilderness out of uh, Egypt into the promised land, into Canaan, and they, they had water to drink. God was a constant source of water flowing out of a rock for the people at that time. And then also, uh, they would have drawn in this vision of Ezekiel, of this constant flowing of water out of the temple out into the desert and on into the Dead Sea. And so on that particular day, the high priest would go over with a pitcher to the pool of Siloam, which means what? Scent. John tells us that, and he's giving us a clue or a hint. Something metaphorical is going on. Sent a clue. And he would take, anyway, he would take water out of the pool and there would be a procession back into the temple courts to the front of the temple and the water would be poured out as a reminder of that trickle of water Ezekiel saw that will one day become a massive river. And Jesus stands up and says, if anybody here is thirsty, come to me and drink. It's all connected to this vision, this picture. Whoever believes in me, like the Scripture says... Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Jesus is the temple. The water flows out of him by the Spirit. He gives the Spirit. He's the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. And anyone who drinks that water will be made alive. And not only made alive, but become a source a fountain of that river. Out of you. You're a temple. Your body is a temple, Paul says. You're a temple of the Holy Spirit. Out of you will flow those rivers of water, rivers of living water. Now, this wasn't going to happen until Jesus was glorified. cross had to come. Death had to come. Resurrection came. Ascension came. And then the Holy Spirit was poured out. In the city of Jerusalem, first of all, on 120 believers, before the day was over, 3,000 had had a drink. And multitudes throughout history have been drinking of that river. Sometimes we might think, and I've thought this, I thought, you know, I, I just got to get filled up in here so I can go out and have a little left when I get out there among my, un, uh, that my friends that aren't believers yet. But this, this passage, this story kind of turns that on its head and says you may have a trickle walking out of here, but if you start reaching out to your neighbor's, In friendship, that river is going to get bigger. That flow of the Spirit is going to get wider. You see, we could make a mistake and think, well, hey, here we all are and we got Jesus in here with us. Well, that's true enough. We do, and it's wonderful, but when we leave these doors and we go into our neighborhoods and we go into our workplaces, his plan is for the trickle that we pick up on and we get flowing in us. You see, it, it's not, not to be despised, that trickle. It's not to say it's, it's, but the fact is you don't need much more than a trickle unless you do something. When you get involved in his big heart for the world, you get involved involved in his big heart for your neighbors. Or when I get involved with his big heart for my neighbors who don't know Jesus yet, the trickle gets bigger. And the next thing you know, it's up to your ankles and then your knees and then your waist. Pretty soon, you're swimming in a river of God's grace and God's beauty and God's love and God's miracles. Sometimes we can say we just need to get everything flowing real powerful in here when Jesus is saying, I want to get everything flowing real powerful out those doors. Let's stand together.